Hey friends, you're listening to the Hungry for Results podcast. I'm your host, Lori Nadescu, sports dietitian and elite athlete. Today we'll be discussing fueling considerations for Nordic skiing. Today's guest is Luke Russell, who holds a PhD in neuroscience and has 14 years experience as a very talented Nordic skier. He also races as a Cat 2 cyclist, and he's my fiance. So you'll be hearing from Luke often on the podcast as we share a home and office space together, and he offers great daily insight on how to put my expert nutrition advice to use in a practical setting. So Luke, welcome to my side of our office and to the Hungry for Results podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here in also my own home. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty convenient. We're both sitting here drinking coffee on a Saturday morning. It's a pretty comfortable setting. So I know you pretty well, but for the listeners who don't, please tell us a little bit about who Dr. Luke Russell is. Well, Laurie, as you previously mentioned, I have a PhD in neuroscience and currently work at a clinical trials company in Rochester, Minnesota, uh, using viruses for cancer therapy. So the company is called Viriad. Uh, But really what I think you want to hear about is my sporting. (laughs) Yes, your sporting. Um, Specifically, your skiing. So let's talk about Nordic skiing because right now it is the middle of winter and we are, like you said, currently in Rochester, Minnesota, where it is actually winter. This isn't California winter or Florida winter. This is real winter. It is about 10 degrees out and there are several inches of snow on the ground. So cross country is a pretty popular way to exercise here. Um, So Luke, can you tell us a little bit more about what it's like to be a Nordic skier. Okay, so I'm primarily a skate skier. For those of you who don't know, there are really two different types of skiing. There's classic skiing and skate skiing. And no matter which style of skier you are, it's really a full body workout. So it uses both your lower body and upper body to a pretty great extent. So it's a very physical but low impact sport. Yes, it is very difficult because I know many of our listeners are cyclists, and Luke, you're a cyclist too, and when you go out and ski, it's very different for the body. It is a full body exercise, correct? Yeah, very true. I mean, for those of you who also cycle, you'll know that cycling really feels like it's a lower body workout. You pretty much use your legs for everything that you're doing on the bike, whereas while you're skiing, it's legs and arms and core. With every single stroke, you're using all three. I have to say your core is looking pretty good right now. Like solid six pack. (laughs) Guys, his face just turned bright red. Sorry for completely embarrassing you there, but it's true. So if you guys are looking to get great ab muscles, just pick up some Nordic skiing. Yeah, so I just actually was looking at this study where they rated or they had a group of participants that were indoor cyclists um, and Nordic skiers and downhill skiers, um, so three very different sports, and they were rating the perceived exertion on different parts of the body, and the cyclists rated the lower body to be much higher than the Nordic skiers, um, but they rated the Nordic skiers rated the upper body to be way harder obviously, than the cyclist. So it just kind of shows that it is that really full body exercise 
Um, and for those of you who've ever done full body exercises, like think of it as doing burpees for an hour. It is involving your entire body and that gets very tiring. So Nordic skiers are kind of known to be in the endurance athletic realm, some of the fittest athletes out there. Would you say that's true, Luke? I've heard that Nordic skiers are some of the fittest athletes in the world. Uh, a lot of Scandinavian athletes I've heard have very high VO2 max if we're measuring uh, fitness using VO2 max. I think a very famous skier named Bjorn Dali has one of the highest VO2 maxes ever recorded, maybe the highest or the second highest. So really that, that means that he's just excellent at using all of the muscles in his body and taking in a lot of oxygen to supply them. I think for a lot of Nordic skiing athletes, that's probably the case where they're using so much of their muscle mass, legs, core, and upper body, and they'll, they'll need the oxygen requirements to fuel that. They end up being overall very, very fit athletes. Right. So Nordic skiers are extremely fit people and they know how to use energy very efficiently. And whenever we're fueling our bodies for performance, the biggest energy expenditure and the most nutrition has to be, is going to be focused in on that race effort, right? Because hopefully that's when you want your peak effort to be at. Um, so Luke, you have a ski race coming up, don't you? I do. I'm going to be next weekend skiing the American Berkebeiner. And that is, I think, the largest ski race in North America. Just to give everybody a little bit of a reference, over the course of the weekend, I think they'll, uh, they'll see about 10,000 skiers race on the Berkey Trail up in Haywood, Wisconsin. And um, it's going to be a really big, really fun event. So what are you hoping to accomplish at this race? My race goal is to finish in the top 200 men. Uh, that will put me into what they call the elite wave. So the way the race is sort of uh, staged is by wave placement and waves are assigned based on results from the previous year. So the top 200 male finishers start in the elite wave and then they move into wave one, wave two, wave three, all the way down to wave seven, maybe eight, nine, and 10. Right. So you are currently starting in which wave? I'm currently starting in wave one. Last year, I think I finished 360th or 350th overall around that place. So I've got 150 men to pick off. You can do it. We will all be cheering for you. Um, so yeah, you're right up there um, aiming for that elite wave. And that means you're going to be putting out a huge amount of energy to try to get your the result you're after, correct? More than I've ever done before. Yeah. <laughs> you're not nervous at all. Um, so when we're talking about that, and you know, you know just from hanging out with me and getting some nutrition, some nutrition knowledge kind of forced on you sometimes. What have you thought about in terms of how you're going to fuel this race? Well, I think, I mean, if we, if we take it back to my very first Berkey and just think about my experiences over the last uh, seven different years of races I've done with Laurie sort of 
jumping in and helping me figure out my nutrition about halfway through that, there's been an enormous swing in how well I'm, uh, how well I'm feeling myself for these races. And I've, I've been in the, in the past, in like a, towards the end of the race, totally bonking, running out of energy, and that doesn't happen to me anymore. Well, it's great to know that you've made progress in your nutrition fueling. Can you give us an example of something that you might have been messing up before that you have dialed in now? So the, the best example I can think of is in one of my earliest Berkeys when I was really focused on uh, staying light and making sure I could climb up the hills as fast as possible. And I ended up severely under eating the night before. So this is like my carb load meal and I decided to have half a Subway sandwich as my pre-Berkey dinner, which was totally insufficient. And this was probably the worst result that I ever had at, you know, a time when I was feeling very, very fit, uh, starting in wave one. And based on my result from that year, I got pushed back to wave two. So it was the opposite of what I wanted to do. Nowadays, I have the pre-race fueling, that carb load meal, really a lot more dialed in. And I know I need to get a huge amount of carbs that, that night before. Yep, that's very important. And for those of you who think a half a Subway sandwich is enough fuel, Luke is 6'4", and half a Subway sandwich is not even lunch on a normal Tuesday, let alone the night before a big race. Um, and this is a, definitely a topic that we'll talk about in future episodes about maintaining weight and still having enough energy to perform. But Luke, I'm really excited to hear that you are having a big meal now, that you're not worried about you know, that extra food load and you know that it's going to really help your body perform come the next morning on race day. So you can definitely stand up for the fact that nutrition matters when you're fueling your body and all athletes of any level can really benefit from paying more attention. Yeah, and I think even more so in endurance sport where the constant fueling requirements during the sport just are essential. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that I could help you out and hopefully this year it will get you to that elite wave. Um, so how will you be fueling this race? So I think my fueling is going to be starting the day or two days prior to the race where I'll start uh, loading up my liver, doing some carb loading, get the liver glycogen pretty high. And that's probably going to involve a lot of very carb heavy meals. So I'm looking at pasta, rice, maybe a little bit of bread as well, uh, some sweet potato maybe. Yep, that's definitely a good strategy. 48 hours before a race start is when you want that carb load to begin. Um, so that's, that's a good kind of pre-race tip. So what about the morning of? The morning of is going to start very, very early. I think my wave one is going to take off at about 7 or 7.10 in the morning. And that means that I have to be awake and getting to the start line maybe two hours in advance of that. So it'll be a 4.30 a.m. wake up with some quick fueling, maybe some oats, banana, um, more carbs, I think. 
Yep, so that's a good hearty meal to start the morning. I know it's earlier than most people want to wake up and eat oats, but it will be nice to have that heavy, warm meal in you before you know heading out to the start. And that still gives you about two hours, so you should be able to digest that pretty well. And then on the drive over to the start line, maybe an hour before the race, I will probably have a uh, power bar or something. And then on the start line, as I'm kind of gearing up and taking off my uh, warm-ups, stripping down to the race suit, I'll take another gel. And then I'll also, for the race, have several additional gels with me. Okay, so it's a really good point that your pre-race fueling does not end at just breakfast, right? There's that first initial meal, and then you kind of taper that off, but continue to fuel your body up into the actual gun going off and you start moving, right? So that's really important for people to understand that the nutrition, the more you can get in before that start line, the better. Um, because in a race like this, it is a little bit difficult to take in fuel during the race. So you mentioned taking in some gels. Can you tell us a little bit about more about what the fueling situation is during the race? Yeah, so because it's a winter sport, the fueling is a little bit difficult. The, the air is usually very, very cold. And so your whatever nutrition you have on hand is sort of has a tendency to freeze, which makes it really difficult to eat especially when your mouth is cold too. And then on top of that, you're gonna be wearing gloves or mittens. For me, race day means mittens. So I have basically two fingers. Yeah, for anyone who's tried to take fuel and do anything with mittens on, it's pretty <laughs> difficult. So add that to being maxed out energy-wise in a race, and it does not become easy to take fuel in. Yeah, so we're talking about my heart rate probably being somewhere between zone four and zone five for the entire race, which is zone five is like peak output. Zone four is about VO2 max. So I'm going to really, really be at my limit. Also, I'll be holding poles. Yeah, yep. Another fact of Nordic skiing is you have poles literally strapped to your mittens. So this does not make it easy to really do anything except ski during this event. So it's good that you're loading up on your nutrition beforehand, right? Yeah, absolutely. So just because of the difficulty of taking in fuel during a race. Mm -hmm. So I've come up with a few different strategies to try and help myself get a little extra fuel down. Um, during, the, during the race, people wear number bibs. And these bibs are fabric, uh, in other races, they're paper, but you can staple things to them. So I'll use a few staples and staple the top of my gel to the bib so I can just tear the gel off and squeeze it. And that usually works pretty well. And then in other years, I've also stuffed some up the sleeves of my race suit with the, the head of the gel or like the, the cap of the gel, the part you rip off, kind of peeking out between my race suit and my glove. And that's sort of an easy place to just pull it out. And also just because it's against my skin rather than in the open air, that keeps it a little bit warmer and means that it freezes more slowly. 
Yep, those are really good tips. Um, I can definitely attest to the fact that nutrition freezes in cold weather. When I was doing the Berkey, I went to take a gel and it was basically like hard frosting. And it was very difficult to eat. So you want something that's liquid, that's easier to consume. So having your most liquid types of gels and then keeping them close to your body to help keep them warmer is a great tip. Putting them in a more accessible spot, um, also a really good tip. And then doing what you can in your situation to make it as easy as possible, like stapling your gels to your bibs. And it is not uncommon to go to a ski race and just see people's bibs covered with stapled on gels. So that's a really good strategy, um, Luke. And these races also have aid stations, is that correct? Yeah, they do have aid stations and they're spread out across the race course, just like you would normally see in a marathon or you know any other endurance event that's well supported. And because it's so cold, they, they warm up the, uh, the beverages that they provide. So they have, they have hot water and they have what they call energy, which is like a sports drink mix that's heated up. So my goal, I think, is going to be to try and take gels ahead of each of these aid stations because I find the gels very, very difficult to swallow or, you know, get down my, get down my throat without something to swig and kind of swish it down my throat. So that's a really good timing tip when you know the aid station is coming up, take in your gel. And if you guys have ever actually looked at the instructions on a gel packet, it does say to take with water or liquid because that definitely does help the absorption of it. Um, and also I think it's really fun with the aid stations, how they call out energy. Um, because when you're skiing by and you're super tired, of course you want energy. Like, yes, give me energy instead of calling out like sport mix. Nobody wants sport mix. Everybody wants energy. So I really like the design of the ski race aid station. So at these aid stations, will you be stopping at them? Well, I try not to because stopping obviously is counterproductive to my finish time. So I'll try and continue skiing through the aid stations and then while skiing a little bit more slowly than I would be for the rest of the race, try and reach out my hand with a pulse in it, grab water or energy and drink that down. So it's it's complicated and it's definitely something that has to be practiced pretty extensively to get it right. And I've finished races before with ice all the way down my chest. More which, energy on your body than... Yeah, really, it's just frozen energy. <laughs> that is wasted energy, guys. So definitely make it a point to practice your fueling. Um, and, you know, you can do this in any sport. If it's a bike handoff, trying to grab a water bottle. In a marathon, grabbing that little paper cup. In a ski race, you know, you have to be able to manipulate your ski poles, your mittens, and take in fuel. So this is something that you don't want to get to race day and then try to figure it out. So, you know, during training, make sure you practice. Um, so yeah, really great tips. And also, Luke, you don't have to stop at the, the aid stations because you're very skilled. You can continue at your pace and still get in some energy. Um, but for those of us, including myself, who are taking a very long time to ski this race, um, don't be afraid to pull over and pause for a minute because, you know, if you're, if you're on the side for one minute to take in some energy because you can't 
just don't have the skill to do it yet while skiing at race pace, um, it's going to be way more beneficial to waste one minute than to end up bonking you know, in the middle of the race or have 10 miles in your ski race left and just be completely hitting the wall, right? So um, just one of the benefits of being able to ski this race very quickly and very skilled is that you can do it without pausing and with a little less attention um, to energy during the race since it won't be taking you quite so long. Okay, so that takes us through during the race and that's a pretty good nutrition fueling strategy. I feel like that will support your efforts and that'll get you through. What about when you hit the finish line? Well, at the finish line, they will supply chicken noodle soup, which is not my favorite, but I think it's gonna be nice and warm, so I'll probably have a little bit of that. But I also like to bring in my race finish bag, a little bit of chocolate milk. And I think that's great, uh, quick recovery for an endurance event. It's a little bit of carbs, a little bit of protein, a good ratio. And so I'll try, that'll be the first thing that I finish. And then I'll load up with some extra chicken noodle soup and try and warm <laughs> my soul. Yeah, warming will definitely be a big part of it. Um, but it's really good that you are already taking that finish line nutrition into account. So, you know, don't wait until it's race day or when you're at the finish line to then turn and say, oh, I'm starving, what can I eat? You know, make sure that you have something in your bag that you're planning on taking in immediately after finishing the event. Um, and then you can kind of go mosey about the finish line expo and, and load up on other goodies and kind of replenish that energy stores. Because with the energy that you'll be putting out at this race, you won't be taking in enough during, right? It's just kind of impossible to replenish as much as you would like to during the race. So you're going to be relying a little bit more on the before and the after, correct? Absolutely. Yes. I probably won't be able to take in more than half, probably less than that, half of the uh, calories that I'm going to be expending during the race. So yeah, definitely. It's going to be very important pre-race and post-race to be replenishing or, you know, loading up and then replenishing what I've just used. Right. Um, and that's that's something that's kind of specific to this sport just because of those fueling difficulties that we went over in most endurance exercises. We'd really want to be replenishing, you know, at least half of the energy being burned, um, which would be a little bit difficult to take in in these circumstances. Yeah, that, that would give me an upset tummy. It's definitely something to train for. All right, so I think that pretty much covers fueling a ski race. We had some great tips. So Luke, thanks for sharing your nutrition insight with us. It was super informative and fun to get your athlete perspective on how that goes down during a race that most of us are unfamiliar with. I don't think most of our audience has done a ski race before, so pretty interesting um, to look into that. And this is the Hungry for Results podcast. So Luke, what result are you hungry for? Well, for me this year, it is going to be an elite weight finish at the American Berkebeiner. Excellent. Well, best of luck at that race. We will all be cheering for you. And thanks so much for sharing how you're using food as fuel to make that result happen. All right, guys, thanks for listening to us chat about ski nutrition. We'll definitely have Luke on in the future to chat about gravel riding nutrition and 
fueling for an endurance gravel ride as he was the 2018 winner of the Almanzo 100. So we'll definitely want to chat with him more about that in the future. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Hungry for Results podcast. Don't forget to go online to hungryforresults.com to check out blog posts, one specifically on this ski nutrition topic, as well as many others. And if you have any questions, comments, show episode suggestions, send me an email at laurie.hungryforresults at gmail.com. Thank you.